The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 1, Section 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 1, Translated by Richard Burton. Section 12. When it was the eighteenth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the lady ceased not, persuading with soft speech the youth, to depart with her till he consented and said, Yes. She slept that night, lying at his feet, and hardly knowing where she was for excess of joy. As soon as the next morning dawned, she pursued, addressing the caliph, I arose, and we entered the treasuries, and took thence whatever was light in weight and great in worth. Then we went down, side by side, from the castle to the city, where we were met by the captain and my sisters and slaves, who had been seeking for me. When they saw me, they rejoiced, and asked what had stayed me, and I told them all I had seen, and related to them the story of the young prince, and the transformation wherewith the citizens had been justly visited. Hereat all marvelled, but when my two sisters, these two bitches, O commander of the faithful, saw me by the side of my young lover, they jaloused me on his account, and were wroth, and plotted mischief against me. We awaited a fair wind, and went on board rejoicing, and ready to fly for joy, by reasons of the goods we had gotten. But my own greatest joyance was in the youth, and we waited a while, till the wind blew fair for us, and then we set sail, and fared forth. Now, as we sat talking, my sisters asked me, And what wilt thou do with this handsome young man? And I answered, I purpose to make him my husband. Then I turned to him, and said, O my lord, I have that to propose to thee, wherein thou must not cross me. And this it is, that when we reach Baghdad, my native city, I offer thee my life as thy handmaiden in holy matrimony, and thou shalt be to me barren, and I will be femme to thee. He answered, I hear, and I obey. Thou art my lady and my mistress, and whatso thou doest I will not gainsay. Then I turned to my sisters, and said, This is my gain, I content me with this youth, and those who have gotten aught of my property, let them keep it as their gain, with my good will. Thou sayest and doest well, answered the twain, but they imagined mischief against me. We ceased not spooning before a fair wind, till we had exchanged the sea of peril for the seas of safety, and in a few days we made Basora city, whose buildings loomed clear before us as evening fell. But after we had retired to rest and were sound asleep, my two sisters arose and took me up, bed and all, and threw me into the sea. They did the same with the young prince, who, as he could not swim, sank and was drowned, and Allah enrolled him in the noble army of martyrs. As for me, would heaven I had been drowned with him, but Allah deemed that I should be of the saved. So when I awoke and found myself in the sea, and saw the ship making off like a dash of lightning, he threw in my way a piece of timber which I bestrided, and the waves tossed me to and fro, till they cast me upon an island coast, a high land and an uninhabited, 
I landed and walked about the island the rest of the night, and when the morning dawned I saw a rough track, barely fit for a child of Adam to tread, leading to what proved a shallow ford connecting island and mainland. As soon as the sun had risen, I spread my garments to dry in its rays, and ate of the fruits of the island, and drank of its waters. Then I set out along the foot-track, and ceased not walking till I reached the mainland. Now, when there remained between me and the city but a two hours' journey, behold, a great serpent, the bigness of a date-palm, came fleeing towards me in all haste, gliding along, now to the right, then to the left, till she was close upon me, whilst her tongue lolled groundwards a span long, and swept the dust as she went. She was pursued by a dragon, who was not longer than two lances, and of slender build, about the bulk of a spear, and, although her terror lent her speed, and she kept wriggling from side to side, he overtook her and seized her by the tail, whereat her tears streamed down, and her tongue was thrust out in her agony. I took pity on her, and picking up a stone, and calling upon Allah for aid, threw it at the dragon's head with such force that he died then and there, and the serpent, opening a pair of wings, flew into the lift, and disappeared from before my eyes. I sat down marvelling over that adventure, but I was weary, and drowsiness overcoming me, I slept where I was for a while. When I awoke, I found a jet-black damsel sitting at my feet shampooing them, and by her side stood two black bitches, my sisters, O commander of the faithful. I was ashamed before her, and sitting up, asked her, O oh, my sister, who and what art thou? And she answered, How soon hast thou forgotten me? I am she for whom thou wroughtest a good deed, and sowedest the seed of gratitude, and slewest her foe. For I am the serpent whom by Allah's aidance thou didst just now deliver from the dragon. I am a jinniyah, and he was a jinn who hated me, and none saved my life from him save thou. As soon as thou freedest me from him, I flew on the wind to the ship whence thy sisters threw thee, and removed all that was therein to thy house. Then I ordered my attendant Marids to sink the ship, and I transformed thy two sisters into these black bitches, for I know all that hath passed between them and thee. But as for the youth, of a truth he is drowned. So saying, she flew up with me and the bitches, and presently set us down on the terrace roof of my house, wherein I found ready stored the whole of what property was in my ship, nor was aught of it missing. Now, continued the serpent that was, I swear by all engraver on the seal-ring of Solomon, with whom be peace, unless thou deal to each of these bitches three hundred stripes every day, I will come and imprison thee for ever under the earth. I answered, hearkening and obedience, and away she flew. But before going she again charged me, saying, I again swear by him who made the two seas flow, and this be my second oath, if thou gainsay me, I will come and transform thee like thy sisters. Since then I have never failed, O commander of the faithful, to beat them with that number of blows, till their blood flows with my tears, I pitying them the while, and well they wot that their being scourged is no fault of mine, and they accept my excuses. 
and this is my tale and my history. The caliph marvelled at her adventures, and then signed to Ja'afar, who said to the second lady, the portress, And thou, how camest thou by the welts and wheels upon thy body? So she began the tale of the portress. Know, O commander of the faithful, that I had a father who, after fulfilling his time, deceased and left me a great store of wealth. I remained single for a short time, and presently married one of the richest of his day. I abode with him a year, when he also died, and my share of his property amounted to eighty thousand dinars in gold, according to the holy law of inheritance. Thus I became passing rich, and my reputation spread far and wide, for I had made me ten changes of raiment, each worth a thousand dinars. One day, as I was sitting at home, behold, there came into me an old woman with lantern jaws, and cheeks sucked in, and eyes rucked up, and eyebrows scant and scald, and head bare and bald, and teeth broken by time and mauled, and back bending and neck nape nodding, and face blotched and room running, and hair like a snake, black and white speckled, in complexion of very fright, even as saith the poet of the like of her, ill-omened hag, unshriven be her sins, nor mercy visit her on dying bed. Thousand heads, strongest he-mules, would her guiles, despite their bolting, lead with spider-thread. And as saith another, a hag to whom th' unlawful lawfulest, and witchcraft wisdom in her sight are grown, a mischief-making brat, a demon-maid, a whorish woman, and a pimping crone. When the old woman entered, she salamed to me, and kissing the ground before me, said, I have at home an orphan daughter, and this night are her wedding and her displaying. We be poor folks and strangers in this city, knowing none inhabitant, and we are broken-hearted. So do thou earn for thyself a recompense and a reward in heaven, by being present at her displaying, and when the ladies of this city shall hear that thou art to make act of presence, they also will present themselves. So shalt thou comfort her affliction, for she is sore bruised in spirit, and she hath none to look to, save Allah the Most High. Then she wept and kissed my feet, reciting these couplets. Thy presence bringeth us a grace, we own before thy winsome face, and wert thou absent, ne'er and one, could stand instead, or take thy place. So pity got hold on me, and compassion, and I said, Hearing is consenting, and please Allah, I will do somewhat more for her. Nor shall she be shown to her bridegroom, save in my raiment, and ornaments, and jewellery. At this the old woman rejoiced, and bowed her head to my feet, and kissed them, saying, Allah requite thee weal, and comfort thy heart, even as thou hast comforted mine. But, O oh my lady, do not trouble thyself to do me this service at this hour. Be thou ready by supper-time, when I will come and fetch thee. So saying, she kissed my hand, and went her ways. I set about stringing my pearls, and donning my brocades, and making my toilette, little recking what fortune had in womb for me, when suddenly the old woman stood before me, simpering and smiling, till she showed every tooth-stump, and, quoth she, O oh, my mistress, the city madams have arrived, and when I apprised them, 
that thou promisedst to be present, they were glad, and they are now awaiting thee, and looking eagerly for thy coming, and for the honour of meeting thee. So I threw on my mantilla, and making the old crone walk before me, and my handmaidens behind me, I fared till we came to a street well watered and swept neat, where the winnowing breeze blew cool and sweet. Here we were stopped by a gate arched over with a dome of marble stone, firmly seated on solidest foundation, and leading to a palace whose walls from earth rose tall and proud, and whose pinnacle was crowned by the clouds, and over the doorway were writ these couplets. I am the wown where mirth shall ever smile, the home of joyance through my lasting while, and mid my court a fountain jets and flows, nor tears nor troubles shall that fount defile. The merge with royal Nu'uman's bloom is dight, myrtle, narcissus flower, and chamomile. Arrived at the gate, before which hung a black curtain, the old woman knocked, and it was opened to us. When we entered, and found a vestibule spread with carpets, and hung around with lamps all alight, and wax candles in candelabra adorned with pendants of precious gems and noble oars. We passed on through this passage till we entered a saloon, whose like for grandeur and beauty is not to be found in this world. It was hung and carpeted with silken stuffs, and was illuminated with branched sconces and tapers ranged in double row, an avenue abutting on the upper or noble end of the saloon, where stood a couch of juniper wood encrusted with pearls and gems, and surmounted by a baldachin with mosquito curtains of satin looped up with margaritas. And hardly had we taken note of this, when there came forth from the baldachin a young lady, and I looked, O commander of the faithful, upon a face and form more perfect than the moon when fullest, with a favour brighter than the dawn, gleaming with saffron-hued light, even as the poet sang when he said, Thou pacest the palace a marvel sight, a bride for Kisra's or Kaiser's night. Wantons the rose on thy roseate cheek, O cheek as the blood of the dragon bright, slim-waisted, languorous, sleepy-eyed, with charms which promise all love, and the tire which attires thy tiara brow is a night of woe on a morn's glad light. The fair young girl came down from the estrade, and said to me, Welcome, and well come, and good cheer to my sister, the dearly beloved, the illustrious, and a thousand greetings. Then she recited these couplets. And but the house could know who cometh, t'would rejoice, and kiss the very dust whereon thy foot was placed, and with the tongue of circumstance the walls would say, Welcome, and hail to one with generous gifts engraced. Then sat she down, and said to me, O my sister, I have a brother who hath had sight of thee at sundry wedding feasts and festive seasons. He is a youth handsomer than I, and he hath fallen desperately in love with thee, for that bounteous destiny hath garnered in thee all beauty and perfection, and he hath given silver to this old woman that she might visit thee, and she hath contrived on this wise to foregather us twain. He hath heard that thou art one of the nobles of thy tribe, nor is he aught less in his, and, being desirous to ally his lot with thy lot, he hath practised this device to bring me in company with thee, 
for he is fain to marry thee after the ordinance of Allah and his apostle. And in what is lawful and right there is no shame. When I heard these words, and saw myself fairly entrapped in the house, I said, Hearing is consenting. She was delighted at this, and clapped her hands, whereupon a door opened, and out of it came a young man blooming in the prime of life, exquisitely dressed, a model of beauty and loveliness and symmetry and perfect grace, with gentle winning manners, and eyebrows like a bended bow and shaft on cord, and eyes which bewitched all hearts with sorcery lawful in the sight of the Lord, even as saith some rhymer describing the like of him. His face as the face of the young moon shines, and fortune stamps him with pearls for signs. And Allah favour him who said, Blessed be his beauty, blessed the Lord's decree, who cast and shaped a thing so bright of blee. All gifts of beauty he conjoins in one, lost in his love is all humanity. For beauty's self inscribed on his brow, I testify there be no good but he. When I looked at him, my heart inclined to him and loved him. And he sat by my side and talked with me a while, when the young lady again clapped her hands, and behold, a side door opened, and out of it came the Kazi with his four assessors as witnesses. And they saluted us, and sitting down, drew up and wrote out the marriage contract between me and the youth, and retired. Then he turned to me and said, Be our knight blessed, presently adding, O my lady, I have a condition to lay on thee. Quoth I, O my lord, what is that? Whereupon he arose, and fetching a copy of the holy book, presented it to me, saying, Swear hereon thou wilt never look at any other than myself, nor incline thy body or thy heart to him. I swore readily enough to this, and he joyed with exceeding joy, and embraced me round the neck, while love for him possessed my whole heart. Then they set the table before us, and we ate and drank till we were satisfied, but I was dying for the coming of the night. And when night did come, he led me to the bride-chamber, and slept with me on the bed, and continued to kiss and embrace me till the morning, such a night I had never seen in my dreams. I lived with him a life of happiness and delight for a full month, at the end of which I asked his leave to go on foot to the bazaar, and buy me certain especial stuffs, and he gave me permission. So I donned my mantilla, and taking with me the old woman and a slave-girl, I went to the khan of the silk-mercers, where I seated myself in the shop-front of a young merchant, whom the old woman recommended, saying to me, This youth's father died when he was a boy, and left him a great store of wealth. He hath by him a mighty fine stock of goods, and thou wilt find what thou seekest with him, for none in the bazaar hath better stuffs than he. Then she said to him, Show this lady the most costly stuffs thou hast by thee. And he replied, Hearkening and obedience. Then she whispered me, Say a civil word to him. But I replied, I am pledged to address no man save my lord, and as she began to sound his praise, I said sharply to her, We want naught of thy sweet speeches. Our wish is to buy of him whatsoever we need, and return home. So he brought me all I sought, and I offered him his money. But he refused to take it, saying, Let it be a gift offered to my guest this day. 
Then quoth I to the old woman, If he will not take the money, give him back his stuff. By Allah, cried he, not a thing will I take from thee. I sell it not for gold or silver, but I give it all as a gift for a single kiss, a kiss more precious to me than everything the shop containeth. Asked the old woman, What will the kiss profit thee? And turning to me, whispered, O my daughter, thou hearest what this young fellow saith? What harm will it do thee, if he get a kiss from thee, and thou gettest what thou seekest at that price? Replied I, I take refuge with Allah from such action. Knowest thou not that I am bound by an oath? And she answered, Now wist, just let him kiss thee, and neither speak to him nor lean over him, so shalt thou keep thine oath and thy silver, and no harm whatever shall befall thee. And she ceased not to persuade me, and importune me, and make light of the matter, till evil entered into my mind, and I put my head in the poke, and declaring I would ne'er consent, consented. So I veiled my eyes, and held up the edge of my mantilla between me and the people passing, and he put his mouth to my cheek under the veil. But while kissing me he bit me so hard a bite, that it tore the flesh from my cheek, and blood flowed fast, and faintness came over me. The old woman caught me in her arms, and when I came to myself, I found the shop shut, and her sorrowing over me, and saying, Thank Allah for averting what might have been worse. Then she said to me, Come, take heart, and let us go home before the matter become public, and thou be dishonoured. And when thou art safe inside the house, feign sickness, and lie down, and cover thyself up, and I will bring thee powders and plasters to cure this bite withal, and thy wound will be healed at the latest in three days. So, after a while, I arose, and I was in extreme distress, and terror came full upon me, but I went on little by little, till I reached the house, when I pleaded illness, and lay me down. When it was night, my husband came in to me, and said, What hath befallen thee, O my darling, in this excursion of thine? And I replied, I am not well, my head acheth badly. Then he lighted a candle, and drew near me, and looked hard at me, and asked, What is that wound I see on thy cheek, and in the tenderest part, too? And I answered, When I went out to-day with thy leave to buy stuffs, a camel laden with firewood jostled me, and one of the pieces tore my veil, and wounded my cheek as thou seest, for indeed the ways of this city are straight. "'Tomorrow,' cried he, "'I will go complain to the governor, "'so shall he gibbet every fuel-seller in Baghdad.' "'Allah upon thee,' said I, "'burden not thy soul with such a sin against any man. "'The fact is, I was riding on an ass, "'and it stumbled, throwing me to the ground, "'and my cheek lighted upon a stick or a bit of glass, "'and got this wound. "'Then,' said he, "'tomorrow I will go up to Ja'afar the Barmaki.' and tell him the story, so shall he kill every donkey-boy in Baghdad. Wouldst thou destroy all these men because of my wound? said I, when this which befell me was by the decree of Allah and his destiny. But he answered, There is no help for it, and springing to his feet, plied me with words, and pressed me till I was perplexed and frightened, and I stuttered and stammered, and my speech waxed thick, and I said, this is a mere accident by decree of Allah. Then, O commander of the faithful, 
he guessed my case, and said, Thou hast been false to thine oath. He at once cried out with a loud cry, whereupon a door opened, and in came seven black slaves, whom he commanded to drag me from my bed, and throw me down in the middle of the room. Furthermore, he ordered one of them to pinion my elbows and squat upon my head, and a second to sit upon my knees and secure my feet. And drawing his sword, he gave it to a third, and said, Strike her, O Sa'ad, and cut her in twain, and let each one take half, and cast it into the tigris, that the fish may eat her, for such is the retribution due to those who violate their vows, and are unfaithful to their love. And he redoubled in wrath, and recited these couplets. And there be one who shares with me her love, I'd strangle love, though life by love were slain. Saying, O soul, death were the nobler choice, For ill is love when shared twixt partners twain. Then he repeated to the slave, Smite her, O Sa'ad. And when the slave who was sitting upon me made sure of the command, he bent down to me and said, O my mistress, repeat the profession of faith, and bethink thee if there be anything thou wouldst have done, for verily this is the last hour of thy life. O good slave, said I, wait but a little while, and get off my head, that I may charge thee with my last injunctions. Then I raised my head, and saw the state I was in, how I had fallen from high degree into lowest disgrace, and into death after life, and such life, and how I had brought my punishment on myself by my own sin. Whereupon the tears streamed from mine eyes, and I wept with exceeding weeping. But he looked on me with eyes of wrath, and began repeating, Tell her who turneth from our love to work it injury sore, and taketh her a fine new love, the old love tossing o'er. We cry enough of thee, ere thou enough of us shalt cry. What passed between us doth suffice, and haply something more. When I heard this, O commander of the faithful, I wept and looked at him, and began repeating these couplets. To severance you doom my love, and all unmoved remain. My tear-sore lids you sleepless make, and sleep while I complain. You make firm friendship reign between mine eyes and insomny, Yet can my heart forget you not, nor tears can I restrain. You made me swear with many an oath my troth to hold for aye, But when you reigned my bosom's lord, you wrought me traitor bane. I loved you like a silly child who wots not what is love, Then spare the learner, let her not be by the master slain. By Allah's name, I pray you write, when I am dead and gone, Upon my tomb, this died of love, whose senses love had ta'en. Then haply one shall pass that way, who far of love hath felt, And treading on a lover's heart, with ruth and woe shall melt. When I ended my verses, tears came again, But the poetry and the weeping only added fury to his fury, And he recited, "'Twas not satiety bade me leave the darling of my soul, "'but that she sinned a mortal sin which clips me in its clip. "'She sought to let another share the love between us twain, "'but my true faith of unity refuseth partnership.' 
When he ceased reciting, I wept again, and prayed his pardon, and humbled myself before him, and spoke him softly, saying to myself, I will work on him with words, so haply he will refrain from slaying me, even though he take all I have. So I complained of my sufferings, and began to repeat these couplets. Now, by thy life, and wert thou just, my life thou hadst not ta'en, but who can break the severance law which parteth lovers twain? Thou loadest me with heavy weight of longing love, when I can hardly bear my chemisette for weakness and for pain. I marvel not to see my life and soul in ruin lain. I marvel much to see my frame such severance pangs sustain. When I ended my verse, I wept again, and he looked at me and reviled me in abusive language, repeating these couplets. Thou wast all taken up with love of other man, not me. T'was thine to show me severance face, t'was only mine to see. I'll leave thee, for that first thou wert of me to take thy leave, and patient bear that parting blow thou borest so patiently. E'en as thou soughtest other love, so other love I'll seek, and make the crime of murdering love thine own atrocity. When he had ended his verses, he again cried out to the slave, Cut her in half, and free us from her, for we have no profit of her. So the slave drew near me, O commander of the faithful, and I ceased bandying verses, and made sure of death, and despairing of life, committed my affairs to Almighty Allah, when, behold, the old woman rushed in, and threw herself at my husband's feet, and kissed them, and wept, and said, O my son, by the rights of my fosterage, and by my long service to thee, I conjure thee, pardon this young lady, for indeed she hath done nothing deserving such doom. Thou art a very young man, and I fear lest her death be laid at thy door, for it is said, Whoso slayeth shall be slain. As for this wanton, since thou deemest her such, drive her out from thy doors, from thy love and from thy heart. And she ceased not to weep and importune him, till he relented and said, I pardon her, but needs must I set on her my mark, which shall show upon her all my life. Then he bade the slaves drag me along the ground, and lay me out at full length, after stripping me of all my clothes. And when the slaves had so sat upon me that I could not move, he fetched in a rod of quince-tree, and came down with it upon my body, and continued beating me on the back and sides, till I lost consciousness from excess of pain, and I despaired of life. Then he commanded the slaves to take me away as soon as it was dark, together with the old woman, to show them the way, and throw me upon the floor of the house wherein I dwelt before my marriage. They did their lord's bidding, and cast me down in my old home, and went their ways. I did not revive from my swoon till dawn appeared, when I applied myself to the dressing of my wounds, with ointments and other medicaments, and I medicined myself, but my sides and ribs still showed signs of the rod as thou hast seen. I lay in weakly case, and confined to my bed for four months, before I was able to rise, and health returned to me. At the end of that time I went to the house where all this had happened, and found it a ruin. The street had been pulled down end-long, and rubbish-heaps rose where the building erst was. Nor could I learn how this had come about. 
Then I betook myself to this my sister, on my father's side, and found her with these two black bitches. I saluted her, and told her what had betided me, and the whole of my story, and she said, O oh, my sister, who is safe from the despite of time, and secure? Thanks be to Allah, who has brought thee off safely. And she began to say, Such is the world, so bear a patient heart, when riches leave thee, and when friends depart. Then she told me her own story, and what had happened to her with her two sisters, and how matters had ended. So we abode together, and the subject of marriage was never on our tongues for all these years. After a while we were joined by our other sister, the Procuratrix, who goeth out every morning, and buyeth all we require for the day and night. And we continued in such condition till this last night. In the morning our sister went out, as usual, to make her market, and then befell us what befell from bringing the porter into the house, and admitting these three calendar men. We entreated them kindly and honourably, and a quarter of the night had not passed, ere three grave and respectable merchants from Mosul joined us and told us their adventures. We sat talking with them, but on one condition, which they violated, whereupon we treated them as sorted with their breach of promise, and made them repeat the account they had given of themselves. They did our bidding, and we forgave their offence. So they departed from us, and this morning we were unexpectedly summoned to thy presence. And such is our story. The Caliph wondered at her words, and bade the tale be recorded and chronicled, and laid up in his muniment chambers. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section twelve of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume One.